love this season. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I love Christmas. It is so full and so pregnant with possibilities. So full of everything that God's wanted, is going to do in, in your life. But we have to tap in to understand what that means. And I'm just going to share a really practical lesson uh, this morning, something that God's put on my heart, and I've just been literally exploding all week, uh, not just because I was sick, but because I already had this. I had this word. God gave me this word to help us understand what does it mean to move into the promises of God? What does it mean to understand? So Christmas is an incredible promise of everything that God has done and everything that came out of that. But how do we use that? How do we live that? How do we, how do we understand that? And I just want to sort of as a launch pad read uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Simply says this, let us hold unswervingly to hope we profess, to the hope you're, you're hanging on to. For he who promised is faithful. So the promise comes from Jesus. The promise comes from God. And the promise is faithful. We need to, though, but you, you see that verse has two parts. And the first part is we have to hang on to something. That unswervingly means to grip it, means to hold it, means to be unmoving. I mean, you got your claws into something and you're not letting go. Do you have a grip? a hold on promises, specific promises for you in your life that you're, or for your family or for any aspect of your life that you're hanging on to? Are you believing for something? You see, we, we can't be Christians and just go through and don't believe for anything. We, God's promises are there, and I believe they're specific, and I believe God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, as only He can do, applies them into our life. And as we read the Word, as we study God's Word, we can take these promises, hang on to them, and believe them. There's something powerful in the moment of saying, I got this promise, I'm hanging on this promise, I haven't seen it, it hadn't worked out, but I'm going to hang on to it, I'm going to believe for it, I'm going to ask God to move in my life. What's the promise you're hanging on to? You say, I, I don't know, Greg, I just read the scripture and come to church. And I said, then that's great. You need to do that. But don't just read the scripture as, as, as you know, to something to feel like you checked your box. Check the box. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, this should do something. When you read it, you interact with the scripture. You, you allow the Holy Spirit because it's alive. <laughs> it is active. It is moving in our life. It is the Word of God. It can come in, and as you read it, you'll say, whoa, that's a promise. It wasn't just for them then. It's for you now. And I believe the Holy Spirit can stir that in your life. Now, there's, you know, you don't want to hang on to something and ignore something else, but at the same time, you need to be hanging on to something. You need to have a promise in your life. And if you're sitting there thinking, huh, I don't think I'm believing for anything, well, let's, let's do that. That's what this is about. That's what this message this morning is all about. What are you hanging on to? What are you believing for? And how do you do that? How do you activate that in your life? What's a promise you're hanging on to? What is it stirring in your mind? I love the fact that the very first rosary that was ever made many, many years ago wasn't just beads. It was made of actually mainly flowers and some other things. And these flowers were... were put in their hand, and what you would do is you would sort of rub them. And the smell would come into your nostrils, and it would remind you of that occasion, 
of that moment. It would remind you of, wait a minute, God promised something there. It would remind you of, wait a minute, I remember this. <laughs> I remember this moment. The, the smell activates the memory. It does that now. You ever do that in spring? You go like, all of a sudden, you're flashing back to 30 years before because the smells trigger that. And so the smell says, uh-oh, I remember a, a promise. I remember God said he's going to do this. Or I remember this is when God did this in my life. God worked this miracle. And that's what all these uh, rosary flowers and smells and scents would be there to remind us of what God did or what God said or what God would do. And so what is the smell in your life? What are you rubbing? What are you hanging on to that you're saying, I remember I, somehow God's going to do that. And if you think, I, I don't have any promise, we'll find what God did. And if God didn't do anything yet, hang on, he will. <laughs> or, or believe with me, let's find a promise that you can hang on to. You said, I'm believing for my family. Or maybe it's a believing for your, for your finances. Or, or believing for some aspect of your life or your own spiritual growth. Or a victory that you're struggling with in your spiritual walk. Whatever that is, I'm believing for that. Are you hanging on to that? So this morning, I want to talk very simply about living God's promise. How do we do that? I'm going to be as practical as I can with you this morning because I believe you need to understand that the promise is for you. It's, it's God's word for you. It, 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 I, I, I think sometimes we, we get confused and, and, and we think that it's just something we do. It's just something we read instead of how it interacts with us and and how it changes us. So I'm going to talk about the Christmas story, but we understand in Luke chapter 2 that Jesus was born, he was born in a manger, but I want to shift to the next part, because I believe that's what is so amazing part of this story. It begins with shepherds, very lowly shepherds, and we'll talk about that in a minute, in a field, in the field of Bethlehem. Now this is very significant to be in the fields of Bethlehem, because this is where the lambs were raised, in the fields of Bethlehem. This is where the Passover lambs were raised. The lambs were born in the fields of Bethlehem that were meant for the sacrifice of the people. You get that? In the fields of Bethlehem, this is where they raised the lambs that were all going to go in and be used for Passover and for the sacrifices of all the people. And this is where the Lamb of God was born. So this is where we find it. They're out there doing their thing. This is what they do. They've got an important job, okay, even though they're shepherds. They have a very important job. And this job for these shepherds is to make sure that they're taking care of these very special lambs that were being raised for the Passover that year, Right? So they're out there doing it, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the whole light, the whole night lights up, and they're singing, and the angels are jumping up around and dancing. See, I, for the longest time, when I saw this as a boy, I, I grew up maybe because of the pageants or whatever, I just saw the, the angels lined up in their choir robes, you know, and they started to sing, glory to God in the highest, you know, but... But as I read the story and such, I think it was very different. I think they were flying and doing dives and jumping up and like dives off that tree out there. They'd have an angel just doing a dive. But they're just singing and just, it was an incredible moment. That's why they were afraid. If a choir just lined up and 
like this, and you think, oh no, church. But they're diving and running, and you think, oh no, this is going to be incredible. This is going to be a lot of, a lot of fun. And so they were, they were afraid, and, and the angels came and gave them something. Said, told them instructions and that we'll talk about and what was going to happen. But they gave him a promise. The shepherds were given the first promise. I think that's so powerful. Look what it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. It says, glory to God. They're not just singing this. This is the promise. This is what they're declaring to the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, you've got to break that down and see what, what did that just say? He basically, the angels were basically said, this is the promise. I am going to give you peace and favor. Now, how many would like to take that for your promise for your family? <laughs> I want peace in my home, <laughs> and I want favor. And I know you might have just came out of Thanksgiving, and you think there's no hope for peace. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, there is peace and favor. That's what the promise was to these shepherds. Oh, just an incredible promise. Just unbelievable that they would be able to, to hang on to that and, and, and believe and see that. You see, this is what God wants to do in our life. God wants to understand, help us understand the promises that we're living because Christianity is not just aspirational. And I think a lot of times, this is where even in America, we just get totally confused. Oh, it's something I'm going to aspire to. I, I think it, it's something that I'm going to, uh, you know, try to do, but we don't really believe we can. It's just aspirational, your Christian walk, your Christian faith, your Christian belief. But it's so much more than just aspirational. It has to be achievable. Your Christian walk, otherwise this whole thing is pointless. Other, otherwise this whole thing doesn't make any difference whatsoever. It has to be, we have to be able to live this. This has, in other words, the promise is, can't just be something, well, that's a promise way up there in the sky and the angels are jumping up and down. It has to be something we achieve. It has to be something that we can live in Christ, that we can live, that God can actually do this in, and make a difference in our life and turn everything around. So, the, and so we think, Greg, how do I do that? How do I find the promise? <laughs> how do I put it in my life? And how do I actually live it so I'm hanging on to it? Now, let me just... Break it down just a few simple thoughts. And here's the first one. You have to find your promise with the current revelation that you have. You have to find your promise. And I believe everyone has one. And if we're dealing with that, if you're thinking, no, there's no promises for me, then we need to go back to square one about God has saved you, God has redeemed you, and God loves you. I don't know where that popping's coming from. Am I doing something wrong? No, I'm never, it's never me. It's always the sound man in the back. So if I, I can grab a microphone if it gets too bad, just bring it up to me. Just to, so, hey, that you can do that when you, the sound man is your son. It's your fault. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, something inspiring was happening. I, I can't remember. Okay, current revelation. Current revelation, right? Current revelation. You can, you can do this. What is the current revelation you have? Because God always works with the current revelation. If they don't even know God, but there's something there that'll help them find God. What is the current revelation? What's the promise? Wherever you're at, wherever you're at, if, if, if you don't even know God, the promise is God loves you, and God will forgive you, and God will save you. 
Okay? So what is it that you can find? And just start with what you know. You can find the revelation that you're going to hang on to, the, the thing that you're going to say, God, I'm believing for that. And, and, and it moves and it, it grows and you see that and then you hang on to this and you hang on to this. I'm hanging on to all kinds of promises for you, for your family, for this church, for this community. I'm believing for my own family. I'm believing all kinds of things and asking God to, to do this. But when the angels first declared this great promise, they didn't have a lot of direction. They just gave, he just really gave him, it was, it was like, okay, I'm going to give you the greatest truth ever, and it's going to be this greatest promise ever, but I'm going to do it in cold. You're going to have to figure it out. <laughs> what? You ever feel that way with God? Does he speak to you in cold? I'm sorry. I was going through McDonald's line because sometimes you just got to do that, all right? I was going through the McDonald's lines of drive through and uh, Lisa says, tell them you have a cold. So I said, at the counter, you know how this McDonald's works, right? You don't know how you have a, 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 a cold. So I said, I have a cold. And he says, well, I'm sorry. I said, no, 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 a cold. <laughs> because even I did have a cold, but I can't hear the difference. That's because I grew up in Dallas, and you don't say anything. There are, there are no L's. You, you remember George Bush, the president? We say no, we have no L's. It's just, eh. anyway, <laughs> so, that'll hit you in just a minute and you'll think it's really funny. <laughs> so, so what, uh, something going on. Okay, the, the point, the, uh, let's just go to Luke chapter 2. That's really good. Luke chapter 2. This is what they gave. This is what they gave. Five simple words, sort of. <laughs> the town of David, which is Bethlehem. Bethlehem. This is, this is two verses, but I just condensed it down to the, to the clues, to the current revelation that the angels would have. Bethlehem, or the town of David, Savior, born, Messiah, man. Imagine you're the shepherd, and that's what you get. They would know, because that's who they are, town of David means Bethlehem. Bethlehem, Savior, born, Messiah, manger. Go get them, boys. <laughs> and the shepherds are going, uh, okay, wait, wait. How do, we, how, do we, how do we figure this out? How do we, how do we, how do we come to, to understand what, is, what was enough? And, and, but it was, a, it was enough for them to believe. It was enough for them to trust because... The next part was just amazing because it says, then the angels left and the music stopped and everything got quiet. And it's just like it was before. So you come into service and we're singing, Hark the Herald Angels, and we're singing and got this enormous choir that we paid for to sing. And it was just amazing. It was just so, worship was just so good. I just loved it, right? So <clears throat> doing all that and you hear a great inspiring word. You realize this was the first message, the first Christian service happened right here in, this, in that field because there was worship, there, there was a, the, the declaring, there was the word, they gave him the word, and then there was the mission. Now go do it. That's called church. It was the first Christ-centered service right there in the shepherd field where there's worship and then there is understanding God's word, and then there is the mission. Got to go do something with it. Sometimes we miss that last part in church. 
You got to do something with this. You got to put it in your life. You got to hang on to it. And that's what this message is about. How do I hang on to what God is saying in my life? But notice what didn't happen. The angels, after everything was quiet, after everything was done, said, hmm, uh, wait a minute. I think what you're saying is that Jesus is God's son. So can you explain to me the Trinity before we go? How does this work? How, you know, they didn't stop and ask the angels you know, to explain the Trinity of, okay, he sent his Messiah and he's, you know, how, how does this work? He, he, they let all that go. They just said, this is what I know. And what I know is that there in Bethlehem is a Savior who was born. He's our Messiah. And you're going to find him in a manger. So that's enough. You have enough. God has given you enough right now, this morning to apply his word in your life. And you're saying, Greg, I, I don't have anything. I don't have any promise. Then go to his word. He will guide you. He will lead you. Just, just in this message, if, you, if none of that fails, just grab favor and peace for your home and believe that and hang on to that. And say, God, I'm believing for favor and peace in my home because that's your promise. Now, I'm going to hang on to that. And I'm going to believe for that. You've got to be believing in something. You've got to be hanging on to something. You've got to be asking God, what is it going to do? I mean, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he didn't want because I who believed in him should have eternal life, right? Let's just break that down. Five simple words. God loved, world gave, son. That's it. And if you're, if you're there and you're watching online or you're sitting here and, and you haven't given your life to Christ, then that's the only revelation you need right now. God loves you and sent his son so that you can be changed, so that you can have eternal life. This is what God's trying to do in our life. So after we find it, they went, they went and they found this, God's you know, saying amen. So they went and they found Jesus. You have to own it. You have to own it. And that's the second thing. Own your promise with clear action. Own your promise. Own the promise. That means it's not just there. I know the Bible says it. You know, I know John 3.16 is there. Or I know Luke 2 is there. Or whatever promise is there. It's just there. You have to own it. It, it. it has to be something that you take action on. Achievable means you're doing something with it. That you're acting on the promise. Luke 2.15. It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Let's go. We're going to do something. We're going to take action. I'm going to own this. They, they, they gave it to us. They, they spoke to us. Let's go see it with our own eyes. Let's, let's grab a hold of this thing. Let's do this. They had an important work. They were watching the little lambs that were going to be raised for the sacrifice of all of Israel, right? Including the one Paschal lamb, the one that was going to be sacrificed for all. They were, that was their job. And they left all of that because they had all of a sudden a different priority to find the promise and to live the promise and to hold the promise. Sometimes I think that's what we struggle with. Is our priorities. What are the priorities that we're hanging on to? What are the priorities that we're trusting in? 
And, but God, I, I need to do this, or God, I need to think this, or I need to behave like this, I need to act like this. What are we willing to leave behind to say, God, I want this promise. I want to hang on to it. I know your word spoke it. It's God's word. I'm going to put it in my life, and I'm going to believe it and confess it in every single day and say, God, I'm trusting you for that. See, when you, God's word is active, so it needs to be activated. It needs to be alive in our heart. It needs to be movement. It needs to be something that, that you know, and, and when things go the other way, that we can stand against it, which brings me to the next thought. Trust, trust your promise, even in the face of rejection. Or even in the face of failure. Even in the face of, hey, this is not really working out. <laughs> this is something that's, that is, I thought God said this, but it's not, it's not happening. It's, I, I, I could have sworn God gave me this promise. You know, almost 30 years ago, God gave a promise to Lisa and I about one of our children. Gave, gave us a promise. We're hanging on to it. We're hanging on to it. I'm still hanging on to it. At my left breath, at, at my last breath, I will hang on to that. Because that's what you do with God's word. <laughs> you activate it. You hang on to it. You confess it. You believe it. You trust him. You trust it. Even, even when everything goes against us. You see, shepherds in that day and age were the lowliest in the sort of rung of society. I mean, beggars were below them, but that's it. Because uh, some, some historians think, well, they, they just stunk too much. <laughs> you ever feel like the stinking person that no one wants to be around? These were the shepherds. These were the ones that the angels came to and gave the promise to. The ones that were the lowest. The ones that wouldn't be accepted. You know they weren't even allowed to enter into the cities except on a few holy days. No shepherds allowed. No shepherds for you. Don't come in here. No shepherds were allowed to. Uh, on a few holy days, we'll let you come in and, you know, like a Passover because you actually raised the lambs that were going to be sacrificing. But outside of that, no, that's it. Because they, whatever, that's the way the society was. These are the ones that the promise came to. So sometimes you're thinking, oh, that's, I'm not good enough, I'm not this, I'm not that. Well, you're right, you're not. But that's not the point. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. That's not where you're at. The beauty of it is God gave you the promise. You have the promise of salvation. You have the promise of healing, of life, of, of whatever it is. You have that promise that God wants to give you. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 17. When they, when they had seen him, Jesus. Okay. I, I'm sorry, I just got to stop and preach here for a minute. When they saw him, everything changed. And sometimes I think people come and they go through the motions, but they haven't seen. You've got you to see Jesus in your life, in your heart. You've got to see Jesus in the Word of God. You have to see Jesus when you're reading the Scriptures, when we're reading these things. You say, okay, God is there, and he's doing something in my life. When they had seen him, everything changed. They were shepherds forbidden to go into cities, and they spread the word. Not in the fields, because all they were in the fields were lambs. 
that were going, please don't kill me. But anyway, the, they were it. They were, that's it. That's all they would see in the sheep. And it was like, so they had to go into cities where they weren't allowed, where they weren't supposed to go. But all that changed. Why? Because they saw him. When's the last time that you thought, I can't do that? And, and it, it's because you lost the picture of Jesus. You lost the picture of what God can do in your life. You lost the picture of the promise that God said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm talking favor and I'm talking peace. Are you going to hang on to that? Are you going to believe for that? And you think, well, Greg, why is it so hard? Why sometimes it, I'm hanging on this promise and it doesn't happen? Oh, I, I see. I, I think it's because you think the promise is about you or your family. Oh, no. It's about what God's going to do through you for your family, for the world, for the community. The promise isn't so that you can just go, yay, I got God's promises. You don't. No, 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 no. The promise is that God will change us. The promise is that he pours all this through us, and the world goes, I want some of that. What is, what is this that you have? How, how can you stand there? How can you trust when you're so sick? How can you rejoice when your business just failed? How can when you have such friction and tension there, and yet at the same time you're saying, but my God is able. How is that possible? Because he works through us. Not just to us. He does do it. Because he's working through me. It's happening. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? You've got to hang on to the promise. You've got to believe that. You see, I think... This is why we get discouraged sometimes. We don't see the promise. We don't know that it's going to happen because we're thinking, God, it didn't happen like I thought it should or my timetable or my order. And so there, it must not be what you wanted. And you missed it because you thought it was about your timetable. Hmm. You, ever, you ever felt that way? That's probably just me. Here's my last thought. You have to hold on to it now. You have to hold your promise until there's a transformation. Don't let go until there's a change. I guarantee you those shepherds did not leave. I think they stayed there for a while until every one of them got a good look and looked into the face of Jesus and thought, I will never be the same. I will, I will, I will change. The first disciples were not fishermen. They weren't ex-tax collectors or even zealots. They were shepherds, lowly, rejected, unwelcome, isolated, unworthy shepherds who went to tend, left their work a priority to watch over the lambs, to watch over the lamb. And when we go do the things that God has called to do, when we hang on the promise, we are believing in the Lamb of God. It's come to change the world, to change my life, to change every, everything around us. Luke 2.18. All. Oh my goodness. All. All. Everybody. Everywhere that heard it, what heard the message, and heard what the shepherds were saying, and saw the shepherds, were amazed. Okay, you got to be amazed at something. There was action, you see, that was going on. They were saying, they were doing, they were behaving. What does that sound like? 
That sounds like after, after Pentecost and, and the Holy Spirit came down and how, how do you how do you talk with such boldness? How, how do you do all that? Because they saw Jesus. Because God activated and released everything, the promise that was in them. See, the promise that you have, that you're hanging on to, it's not just so you can have one. It's so that it can change you. So that you can be transformed. We are washed and renewed by the cleansing of the word. As it goes through me and I say, I'll take that. I'm going to claim that. I'm going to hang on to that. I'm going to ask God for that. And I'm not letting go. I'm not doubting. I'm, not, I'm going to keep confessing. I'm going to keep trusting. And everything around me says, get out of the city. You don't belong here. Or you, this is not who you are. Or you can't do this. And I'm just going to keep saying, my God, I'm going to trust you. My God, I'm going to believe in every single thing that God is doing. Do you receive the word this morning? Come on, give God thanks for what God's doing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you stir us, challenge us, fill us with your word, with an understanding of your promises, God. And God, give us the faith to believe, to hang on to them, Lord, to not give up, no matter what, to keep trusting God, to keep asking, to keep believing, God, for our families, for our children, for our parents, for our business, for our works, for, the, for those around us, for our extended family, God, in every aspect, God, let us keep believing, let us keep trusting, let us keep asking in all that you're doing. God, we believe that for, with all of our heart. And God, we're trusting for that. And God, if there's any single person, any person right now that hasn't fully looked into your face and said, I want to be changed. And I want Jesus in my life. I pray right now, as the word has been opened, that they look and they see the face of God. And say, God, forgive me. God, cleanse me. God, remove all my sin. Because I want to hang on to your promise. I want to live your promise of peace and favor in my life. God, I thank you for that. In the name of Jesus.